You're now listening to the Something Good Podcast Network. Please press any key to continue. A new chapter this morning in the battle against Ebola. Nickelback are back. The multi-platinum band has just announced a new album and a North American summer. Until you see the flaming butthole, you ain't seen nothing yet. Something good for ya. All right, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of the Something Good For You podcast, where the two of us sift through the bullshit to try to find a little something good to give you each and every single week. That's still a mouthful. <laughs> I am one of your two co-hosts, Alex Stiff, and sitting beside me during this quarantine series is Captain Nunn. What's up, yo? You have been slowing down on your drinking. You've actually been drinking a lot more water. I haven't had any booze in the... I don't really keep booze in the fridge anyway anymore uh, well i didn't anyway since i moved in other than like a few kelsey times was bringing you like seltzer beers and all this other but shit that was for a long but, while but that was free shit that's the thing <laughs> i'm also a cheap bastard <laughs> i don't know it felt like there for a little while you at least had some stuff around so i don't know you, you're just trying to be the healthy cap i try well, throwing your hair out <laughs> yeah because like that's a damn hippie yeah pretty much because <laughs> nothing says healthy like this mess that I got right now. <laughs> we'll get into the fun hair club. We've got an awesome special guest with us today from Fast Eddie, probably one of my favorite bands out right now, definitely at least in my top five. And we've had the honor of sharing the stage with them, introducing the singer Michael Morris. Welcome, good sir. Hey, thanks for having me. Sure. Of course. No, uh, we wound up getting together. Uh, we played... Was it at the rim? It was at the rim. Yeah, we got together and played up there and that was a hell of a good time and actually you wound up sharing um one of the posts <laughs> the other day uh talking about the uh the t-shirt oh yeah yeah we yeah. actually it's funny because uh i had a small of the t-shirt from the rim and then i still have my t-shirt from the rim and i gave a small to my girlfriend and the other day we just wound up wearing the same shirt at the same time <laughs> oh that's <laughs> awesome <laughs> like a little like the rim street team <laughs> I know Cap, Cap and I've had that similar situation where we've because we're roommates at this point and we've both yeah. come down about to leave somewhere this was of course months ago before all this bullshit and be like oh yeah. god damn it <laughs> one of us has got to change <laughs> we also have like yeah. uh, sim- like Repo Records t-shirts and Super Suckers t-shirts because we go to the fucking record store all the time we go to these shows all the time and buy stuff from the same merch table and we have point. similar taste <laughs> Yeah, that happens with our band too well, there was one day that every single member of the band was wearing a Criminal Kids shirt. Nice. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We've established a gang with the Criminal Kids. We call it Crime Guys. Really? Crime Guys. Okay. Yeah. It's a Chicago-Denver uh, club, and we just do crimes. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and who all's in that? Uh, Those are just the two bands. Oh, just like, okay. Yeah, it's, it's obviously Criminal Kids and Fast Eddie, but then it's... Uh, Ryan from Criminal Kids, brother, little brother, or no, older brother, Corey, who's an uh, actual criminal, so that's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta keep it legit, right? It's legit criminal, yeah. <laughs> well, man, uh, like I said, I've recently uh, kind of, I would say within like what, maybe a past year and a half, two years? Yeah. And it was shortly after uh, you guys released Two for One uh, is when I wound up hearing you guys and immediately fell in love. Uh, 
I don't know too much of the history, me personally, uh, but it did sound like there was almost a sonic shift uh, from two for one compared to some of the earlier releases. And that seems to be kind of the, the trajectory you're currently on. Uh, what yeah. kind of inspired that shift? Well, um, honestly, the first record we did, uh, none of us really knew what we were doing or what kind of sound we were going for. Um, we all were really close friends and we we're from a bunch of different bands. So we just sort of combined all of our influences in the mm -hmm. beginning, uh, which you can hear sort of like, you can hear some sort of like action rock, power pop right. kind of influences in there oh, yeah. with some heavy rock, like motorhead kind of influence in there too. Mm -hmm. So we were trying to do more of like a harder hitting motorhead style, like, I don't know, sort of turbo Negro style. Yeah, helicopter. I can hear that. Um, in the beginning and then uh i don't really know we were on we were on a different wavelength in the first i think we were all on a lot of drugs and so we didn't <laughs> we honestly i don't really remember writing a lot of the lyrics to that album and i listened back and i'm like oh you know, <laughs> no idea where that came from but <laughs> now especially when you take time away from uh your back catalog for a while uh, yeah, we've got four albums under our belt at this point. We're one of those bands that's like we like just constantly playing the new stuff, so a bunch of the old old material gets cycled out quick. And go back oh, and yeah. listen to those early recordings, and you're like, I forgot what the hell I even wrote on this. What was I thinking? Yeah, no <laughs> yeah, those first album kind of like cringers that are like, ugh, I would never do that now. <laughs> yeah, I know. I look back and I'm like, oh man, what the hell was I talking about? It's kind of embarrassing, but it's like whatever. It's a moment in time. Exactly, exactly. And, and that's a good way to look at it too. And plus, if you're able to look back and go, "Ooh, that means you've evolved as a musician, you've evolved as a person," and I would even see sure. that as a positive. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's just with any art form, and yeah. uh, I think that's just with people too. I mean, it's funny. People, I mentioned that in that other interview that I did um, with Aaron, where mm -hmm. I was like, you know, sometimes people will hold you accountable for something that you said or somebody that you used to be when I feel like people are just changed sometimes, you know, like right. I don't feel the same person at all that I was a few years ago. And part of that has to do with, you know, taking some mental health initiative and taking medication and stuff like that and realizing that I'm sort of a different person now, you know? Yeah, and that's but. something we've touched on on the on our show, you know, a couple times. Maybe not as in depth as uh, you guys did on your on that show, but we've talked about oh. many times how you know every person that's creative is neurotic in some way, has their own little. Everyone has their own issues, and their yeah. output of their creativity is their way of dealing with those and finding a way to get that fun release. And that, yep. I think that's why um, musicians have such a tight connection in the end like when we're able to finally get up and finally meet each other it's like oh shit yes you're one of us kind of thing oh <laughs> i know it's weird you can kind of get caught up in this like energy cloud where you just kind of <laughs> jump into a different world it's awesome it's about like what that's happens like, at bands it's it's honestly that's the hardest thing for me throughout this whole process now is that i don't get to um throw myself into that you know whirlwind of creative nonsense i was going to ask about that so you know 
we, we've been, of course, labeling this the quarantine series because we rarely do Skype stuff. We like doing stuff in person because we like it to be a, you know, personable experience. But one of the things we've kind of asked all the artists that we've had on there is, you know, during this quarantine time and, you know, having to stay home, have you been writing and how difficult has that been? I have been writing. Um, I will say that um, I am not having the massive creative flood that I had hoped I would have during this period of time. Uh -huh. But I feel like I'm taking some time to really address other things in my head that I haven't yeah. dealt with because gotcha. I've been on such a writing, touring, um, performing constantly um, place where I've felt like I've just kind of over-socialized for a while. So this has been a good, like, long, forced hiatus to pull me back into a better frame of mind and I think I'm ready to really dig into this next album. So, oh, but yeah, I have because a lot of ideas and songs that I've saved for the last uh, three years that we're going to throw on the album. So awesome. Well, I was going to say, I, I've noticed kind of a, at least a visual theme uh, between two for one um, and even the most recent one, kill city. You've kind of had the same kind of look to all the singles. So I'm assuming all of these tracks are going to be part of possibly a future full length that could be coming out. Yeah, man, it's some crazy broad concept album. All right, because I was gonna say, yeah. I, I, well, well, actually, on that though, because we talked about the progression of, um, you know, you guys as a band, uh, the last single, "Kill City," that actually did remind me of a little bit of the earlier style. Yeah, yeah, it's harder hitting for sure, um, and I think it's it's kind of blends both sides of us. But the reality is, is we never really lost that. Yeah. Draw we just recorded two songs because we couldn't afford to do any more. Than that. <laughs> Was it still over uh, at Tux too? We, the, uh, we did when we pressed it because the digital release was just two songs, but when we pressed it, we put Lost on there. Right. Uh, so we don't really uh, try to subscribe to any particular genre. And I feel like a lot of bands say that, but we, we're kind of all over the place. And I, I feel like we don't really need to just stick to one particular style. So. Plus, it's fun to shake it up. It's, it's fun to, you know, be able to go, hey, well, this one's going to be a Ramonesy punk one, but this one's going to be a Motorhead thrashy, you know, and this one's going to be a loose New York Dolls one. That's fun to all play around. Not? That's what art's supposed to be, a reflection of your influences and what you care about in life, you know, so. And at the end of the day, you just kind of find your sound through all of it, too. Absolutely. And, yeah, and, and who I am as a person has sort of developed through my interests over the years, so. Absolutely, man. Yeah. And I think that's been the fun thing. I, it's weird. It feels like there's been a lot of artists and creative people that I've talked to within the past two years that have been kind of slowly morphing and figuring out a little bit better who they are. And, you know, we kind of went through the same thing, you know, where this record is very much exactly what you guys were wanting to achieve, you know, where you just kind of touch on all the different genres. You know, we finally went, you know, we're not going to worry about being the punk band anymore, you know, or this yeah. damn band. It's like we're just going to write what we love. And, hell, I've been a Kiss fan since I can remember and it's well, like being able to finally like really wear those influences a little more and then Lizzie and, you know, Cap bringing in, you know, his classic rock and, you know, just throwing on Skinner licks and shit like that. Cause oh, why yeah. not? And, it's, and then it's like, you mix it all together and you can't 100, 100% pick the influence because it's like, and then our drummer, he has a huge nineties influence. So he's going to bring a certain vibe to the drums, you know, and Mikey's oh, a metal no. dude, you know, so he loves to do it. He'll write some hardcore metal solo and I'm like, okay, 
bring it back some. <laughs> cut it, cut out about maybe uh, not even half of the notes and give me a good bend and you're solid. You'll rewrite. He's like this. I was like, thank you. <laughs> yeah. We want, we're focused on songwriting now a lot too, which I think a lot of bands are, especially you guys seem to be more focused on the songs more than anything, which is great. That's kind of like yeah. a art form. That's something that we, um, I don't know. I feel like I'm proud of with our band is, um, we really focus a lot on like song structure and, uh, yeah, trying to craft something that's like dynamic, not something that's just like sort of static or just like the same riff the whole time or whatever, you know? So, right. That's one thing I've always noticed about you guys' songs, even like in Lost, you completely uh-huh. break away and then you go into like, you know, the slower, almost for lack of a better term, breakdown, but it's far from a breakdown. You, know, you just, you just <laughs> slow it down, you make it pretty, and then you just rile it back up with the drums and then kick it with a hard solo. It's like, I love that sort of dynamic. It's awesome. Thank you. And, yeah. and what kind of, who, who really kind of comes in that songwriting aspect? Does everyone kind of have an equal hand or do you kind of more take the reins or? It really depends on the song. There's some songs that um, are very collaborative and there's some songs that we'll build out of a bass line that Devin writes and then we'll, we'll all kind of have little riffs. Yeah. And then uh, Leo will be like, yo, dude, I wrote this riff that'll probably fit with that riff. And then mm-hmm. we'll just be like, oh, that's fucking perfect. They just fit together. Awesome. And then there's some songs that like I kind of just uh, wrote myself and brought into the band and it just depends. I'm like, personally, uh, I feel like my biggest asset as a musician is songwriting as opposed to pretty much anything else. So, right. But. And, and it is, have you found yourself to where you've kind of shifted those roles as the band has kind of gone on where it's like, you kind of almost had to find your place in your own band. Yeah. We've all sort of delegated tasks with our yeah. band. Um, we were kind of just, you know, sulking around in the mud for a while we didn't know what we were doing and we were all kind of a bunch of miscreants and direction <laughs> and then we all just kind of were like well somebody's got to do something and i didn't want to originally because i was the band leader for my old band and i was just over it <laughs> <laughs> i'm tired of being band daddy that's the worst well and that band was very unmotivated and i don't think that you know one of them was, but I don't think the other two were like real diehard musicians. So, but the Fassetti's just like everybody in that band is hardworking. So I've sort of taken the reins on, you know, booking and um, the trajectory of the band, leading the band. And uh, Leo does merch. Leo mm-hmm. can sell you your own shirt off your back. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's always handy to have at least one of those guys around. Yeah, and then uh, Devin takes care of the money. He, he, he's, uh, I guess you could say he used to be sort of a businessman in a different way. Right. So, <laughs> <laughs> right on. That's a good way to put it. Very, very good with numbers and uh, really, really anal about keeping track of money. And then uh, that's always Arch good takes, too. Arch takes care of the space and. Um, just sort of keeps us in, you know, the gear and all that stuff in check. And yeah. Uh, so we all have like our own little roles and that keeps it more of a democracy. And uh, I feel like it just gives everybody a purpose, you know, sort of like a chore, chore chart. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I yeah, like I, I like that because, you know, of course it's, 
we see the memes all the time. There, there's always drummer and bassist and vocalist memes. So, you know, it's like, it, depending on the musician, you know, sometimes I can kind of get to a guy. So having that kind of task system where everyone feels like they have an equal hand and an equal part in the band is actually a really smart move in kind of helping keep morale up. It is. Well, then everybody feels accomplished and it's everybody's project. And I have done, you know, been confused in the past about what to do and I've sort of taken too much control and then I get resentful and then they get pissed off because I'm pissed off and then it's just not good. So. <laughs> the thing about musicians, we're all control freaks too. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's because it, we're so out of control. We got to project it on something. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. And, and, man, and <laughs> I've, I've never thought about it that way. <laughs> you ain't wrong. <laughs> no, and the um, the fun thing in all this, too, is I found, well, I wouldn't say necessarily fun, but the, the challenge necessarily for me during all this is when it first hit the, the whole uh, shutdown, I was extremely inspired for like a yeah. week hardcore. It was like writing new music, getting out new ideas. Same. And then after that, it's been that slow burn of like every week after that, it's been harder and harder to keep up that pace. We wrote like yeah. three or four songs like in the first week and then just didn't touch our guitars for like yeah. the next week. <laughs> I think I noticed that with a lot of things uh, straight off, like people were doing a lot of like, um, in, you know, like just sort of like help each other out things right in the beginning and really mm -hmm. sympathetic stuff and all the stuff. And now all of a sudden people are just like, all right, I'm lazy. <laughs> I'm lazy so and mad. Like, immediately, I was like, "Fuck yeah, I'm gonna get fit as hell. I'm gonna exercise every day. This is gonna be an opportunity to change my life around." Yeah. And then <laughs> Until that gets that boring. Week, and then now I'm just like eating muffins and sitting on my ass and playing Zelda. <laughs> <laughs> well, you gotta switch. You gotta do something with it. <laughs> Being healthy is boring. Let's play some video games and eat some Doritos. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for real. That sounds, that sounds pretty familiar. But, <laughs> me and my girlfriend kind of keep it balanced. We're back and forth on it. So, you That's know, good. some we'll drink on Fridays and get real drunk for like a couple of days, and then we'll kind of stay sober for the rest of the week. Okay. <laughs> Everything uh, at least within moderation. It, baby, could speaking of drink, could you get me a Modelo and a cigarette? Yeah, <laughs> you're the best. Party. <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah, yeah, you've got your secret crowd member. I've got mine too. Raina's in town and uh, she's busy coloring, so she's listening into. Yeah. Oh, cool. No. So, and, and I think that also kind of helps too, is you know, at least having at least someone to kind of hang around with. So it's like you know, Cap and I, we get to you know get our energy out and you know and play some music some you know, and I finally got to see Raina for a little bit, so that gets out that some. So I think I think that's the one thing that. I try not to flaunt that so much on social media because I feel bad for yeah. some of my friends um, that have just been sort of alone through the whole process. And, you know, that happens. And, like, I don't know. I try and to. That's definitely difficult. Yeah, dude, I couldn't imagine. Like, I. There's people that are literally sitting by themselves completely. Yeah. It's just like, wow, I'm impressed. <laughs> Look at that awesome curbside assistance. <laughs> oh, my girlfriend ever. You brought up Chicago earlier. Uh, is there a Denver scene that kind of connects with uh, underground rock bands that play Chicago and Atlanta on the regular as much as y'all do, or y'all just uh, one or two bands? I feel like y'all are plugged into that too. Um, not just Chicago, but you know the whole country. Um, there's there's this network we've just been very lucky to get plugged into of 
awesome bands that um, all are similarly motivated, I feel like, and we yeah. all kind of take care of each other. So, cool. And that's, and that's kind of been a difficult thing. And, and, and you know, because kind of even being upfront with it, I still feel very on the fringes of it. You know, I still feel very much on the outside kind of looking and, you know, waving, you know, and that. Yeah. And, and I think that a lot of people also kind of have struggles, you know, fully feeling like they fit in anywhere when they haven't for a long time, if that makes any sense. Well, you know what, though, man, I guarantee you, if y'all, you know, moved on, you know, you went on tour to, if you came to Denver, we'd set you up. Oh, at, yeah. No, we oh, want to, oh, for we, sure. Oh, yeah, that's definitely in the plans. Trust me, dude, as soon as these fucking doors, we're, we're definitely one of those people where it's like we hate hounding folks for shows because it just feels like we're begging and it just feels weird. I don't give a fuck anymore. As soon as this shit opens back up, I'm going to be inboxing everyone I know. Let's do shows, motherfuckers. It's <laughs> <laughs> the thing, man. Like, you kind of have to, and it doesn't have to feel, you don't have to feel bad about it because I know for a fact, like, I want to hook up as many people as I possibly can, but I'm also a space cadet. And so I, I like it when people harass me about it. Cause I'll be like, Oh yeah, dude, I'm sorry. I got distracted. I was making like tortilla soup or something. I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I guess just making, maybe talking about the way personalities and the way the mind works. I look at that and I sit here and go, Oh, I don't want them to think I'm desperate and I'm begging for something or I'm trying to do like, feel like there's anything else going on other than, I just want to play a show. <laughs> That's also one of those, like, they won't let you in if you don't knock on the door either. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. You can't get anything if you don't ask for it. So Yeah. And, and I just think that's something maybe we just kind of struggle with a little bit is just doing that reach out, if that makes any sense. And you talk about the circuit. We're pretty late to it as well. At least I feel we were pretty late to it because the only reason I mentioned Chicago and Atlanta is because that's where we see the most traction. That seems to be where most of the bands mm, You think that? Of. I mean, um... It's funny though, because I mean, I think I met y'all initially in uh, it, in Atlanta. It was a showdown. Yep. Yeah, the showdown, one of Chase's fests, and um, so and that was a debacle. Just making sure we were able to stay on it because our drummer couldn't make it, and we hired a guy last minute, and that oh god. <laughs> yeah, you got a fill in for the fill ins. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But no, I remember that show though, and part of the reason we were just so headstrong about doing it is because. Even if we couldn't play the show, we had already said we were like, screw it. If we get down there and can't play, we just want to be there. You know, it's like yeah. we wanted to be around all those folks and be around, you know, potential new friends and all that stuff. Because it's like in Charlotte, and this is not a negative, we have a very strong punk and metal scene, you know, and that's yeah. awesome. We have so much great punk and metal coming out of Charlotte, but for a rock and roll it's band, been, uh... it gets a little tough. Isn't Paint Fumes out of Charlotte too? Yes, they are. Yeah, and cool. And they they usually book around. uh, They usually book rock bands of our ilk around Mm -hmm. Charlotte, but there's just not a like press scene for Charlotte music, really. I mean, we have a few magazines here and uh, like DIY magazines Mm -hmm. here and there. Just in the past few months, really, that have really started taking responsibility for local music over here. Yeah, like one of our good friends, uh, Mike Phillips, that runs uh, the Gabba Gabba Hun Network. Uh, he does a magazine, he does a podcast, he does a bunch of stuff. So he's been really kind of stepping forward and doing a lot more for the local scene. And but other than that, there's not really much else. You know, and we try doing our part as much as we can on this show. But, you know, 
this show for us is an outlet just to be able to conversate with the people that, you know, we want to. So a lot of the shows wind up being local centric shows, but you know, like for this, it gives us an opportunity of going, okay, well, we're going to reach out to our Rolodex and talk to folks. We don't get to really talk to that often, but you know, just unfortunately being in a band is and trying to do as much as, you know, both of us do, uh, it gets a little bit difficult trying to stay as plugged in and give everyone the respect it deserves. If that makes any sense, because you, because you'd wind up cherry picking, you'd only wind up talking about your close friends if you're trying to promote a local based podcast. So when I think that's sort of, you know, there's a responsibility that you have to uphold if you're part of the music world, because you know, um, you get to a certain point where you're the one that has to take the reins and you're the one that is responsible to keep it going if you want it to survive. So exactly. And that's something I did that with uh, our magazine out here, Barf for a while. I got a little overwhelmed because I was trying to do that and a million other things at the same time, but right. And that, and that's kind of where I could feel that we would have been heading. And that's why kind of early on, we were like, let's just keep this, you know, totally inclusive, you know, all our close friends, you know, and all that. But, when we started talking with Mike and he was saying he wanted to do it, I was like, dude, make it local centric, you know, cause he had a magazine back in the nineties that did like two issues. But he was like, yeah. man, I'd love to do it again. I'm like, Dan, if you've got, I was like, man, if you've got the passion, please do it. I said, I will give you all the moral support you need. If you've got the passion, please knock it out. We, everyone around here needs it. So he, he's been an absolute Satan, all of this. Yeah, we did that. We tried to do, the magazine was, you know, Denver homage straight up. It was, you know, it was like the dive bar um chronicle pretty much but we yeah. always try to do like one national act at least mm-hmm. um whether it be a comedian or a uh could have been a actor or a um artist or a you know musician or anything band and so you could do like national artists and you can do local artists and then you kind of give the local artists a platform to stand on that's right next to some national artists too you know Mm-hmm. So, so with Barf, uh, did you wind up doing the layouts and everything, or where, um, did you get someone oh, else to do that? I had a layout designer. We kind of had everybody for different tasks. We had okay. a bunch of art, and um, you know, it, it was another delegation of tasks. But that was another situation where I tried to bite off more than I could chew, and I got really overwhelmed. So, if you're trying to start a magazine or a publication or anything creative like that, you wanted it to look good and be good too, right? Yeah, we really wanted it to not just be like a you know um like a paper zine like a you know it was it was something that we wanted to look really professional but still be funny and right panic and um not that i have an issue with anything else like any any sort of publication is awesome any sort of you know uh paper press is awesome now i think it's really cool absolutely does denver have a pretty strong um tight-knit community as far as its music scene do they uh help each other out as much as they can Oh, very much so. More than I've seen in most of the country. Maybe it's not that I'm plugged in enough, but our community out here is really cool because it's not clicky. Like everybody sort of doesn't matter what the band is, metal band or, you know, sort of a folky band or a country band or everybody knows each other. And it's it's sort of like a big family. It's really cool. Kind of a big hodgepodge of genres and things like that, too. Yeah. And everybody is interested in the same shit. So you know, as far as hanging out goes. So yeah, that's what I've noticed over the years too, just because we've had decades of music to choose from as far as influences, everybody gets together with the same goals and the same desire to put out the best music they can. And mm-hmm. doesn't matter what genre it is, they try to, everybody wants to help out as much as they can. And 
awesome. It's great. See, see guy, a guy man. that plays plays new metal, um, new metal guitarist hanging out with uh, some dude that plays church music on Sundays, like <laughs> yeah. on a violin or something like that. That's great. I mean, I I like all kinds of music. I'd probably be burnt out as hell if all I listened to and all I played with was rock and roll nonstop. You know, I mean, right. I worship, love it, but I love listening to a good country band or, um, you know, good metal band or absolutely yeah i mean one of my favorite things right now there's this um i'm not exactly sure where they're from but there's a band called uh, the fratellis and uh over the last few years they've kind of changed their sound and they're more kind of like brit pop is they's like they've still got based uh, the fratellis and yeah. um and they're just they're just very very they had that old, they had that song years ago that na 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 but they've oh, told yeah. they've They've totally shifted from now. They have a lot more, you know, kind of a pop influence. But it's actually really fun to listen to. And also stuff like Blondie or The Cure, Depeche Mode. You know, I've been kind of falling down almost a new wave rabbit hole just to kind of break away oh, from the heavy, distorted kind of my first, my first uh, I guess, what do you call it? Soiree or something. Into, into punk rock was, uh, well, it was my brothers in the 90s and all that stuff. But they uh, they got me into some of the you know, mainstream punk stuff. But then I, I, I had a bus driver that gave me a stack of vinyl and it was like Susie and the Banshees, The Cure, uh, awesome. The Stranglers, and, um, you know, some of that almost like, what do you call it? Like post-punk mm -hmm. shit, like Gang of Four. And uh, yeah. that shit just like blew my mind. I was so into that. And so, I mean, I love all that stuff. I haven't gone down that rabbit hole much other than like maybe like the 80s damned. Yeah. Of course, everything, all, most of that is ever-present anyway, but I just haven't done a deep dive. Yeah. Like, well, right now I'm writing with somebody that's kind of got like a Pixies vibe, so I've been kind of going back into that well a little bit. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Have you found that uh, in weird ways those songs influence your songwriting at all? Like even just like hearing a certain melody and going, hmm. Oh, absolutely, man. I mean, there's, there's radio pop songs that influence my songs. Really? <laughs> yeah, like there's some top forty shit. That I'm like, damn, that's tight. I'm not throwing <laughs> that's, kind of, that's from a songwriter deal too. Like, I know folks that'll be like, I hate that song, but I like how that sounds, and I kind of like how that melody works, and it's hooky as shit. Yeah, yeah, it's hooky. That's what's cool. I mean, hooky's mm -hmm. relatable, and so, uh, I mean, I, there's influence from all sorts of things that jumps into music, and yeah. uh, I think you're just selling yourself short if you don't at least, you know pay respects to the songwriting That's oh yeah where I mean, it and, comes from and there's plenty of genres of music or full albums of songs that just i could not listen to or just i don't care for but i could still find something i appreciate going like ah, oh, the guitar tone is nice at least or you know <laughs> oh, uh, you know so it's like you can always find at least one thing to enjoy about you know something and you know something that annoys me more than most genres is like jam band stuff but you know, that's something too. I can be like, man, that guy's got a really nice Fender tone. He's like a killer tally player or something like that. You know, I know it. Cap was going on this rant the other night about fucking hippies, and that's just immediately what made me think about it. <laughs> so, so what does, because I went to school in Knoxville, and that was the era of like a 20 year olds, you know, pretending to be hippies and going to widespread panic shows and, oh, yeah, ruining great guitar playing for me because, like you said, all those bands are like killer musicians, but. <laughs> The fans fucking ruin it, and the songs <laughs> just take forever too. Speaking of that, that's funny. We got a there's there's a lot of that scene out here in Colorado, 
um it's sort of like a hub for deadheads and you know what do you call it like uh just like the hipsters and stuff kind like of that. Shit, yeah. and uh there was there's a bar out here that um just got busted for running itself as a speakeasy during the pandemic oopsies and, <laughs> and of course it's like the wooks that do that <laughs> Oops. they care the least about venereal disease and, and you damn dirty hippies stay the fuck inside Dude, I went to uh, the one time I went to Denver. Uh, the, me and the girl I was seeing at the time went to Red Rocks to go see Ween, and that's yeah. one of those like quote unquote jam bands that I don't see as a jam band at all. I fucking love Ween, but jam band audiences love that shit. Yeah, that's cool, man. And like I, you know, there's quite a few Grateful Dead songs I think are awesome, and there's oh, just yeah. like scene that just kind of got uh, stuck on the wrong aspects of that music, and. Yeah. Um, what was that joke? It's like, uh, what did the hippie say when the drugs wore off? Man, this music sucks. Because <laughs> <laughs> again, I love a melody as much as the next guy, but I also like hearing multiple songs. <laughs> oh, I know, man. Yeah, it's just, it's it's a bit much for me. But, you know, it's it's a whole fucking religion for some people, and I respect that. And at least they're into music. And Yes, I, and speaking of being into music and treating it like a religion and the rock and roll music that we appreciate, when do we get some more fucking fast Eddie tunes? You keep teasing us with all these little singles and I've been burning them out. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I, uh, we're kind of on this level now where we were hoping to put this vinyl out. Uh, we had a release show booked um, and we we're going to do it with Spaghetti Town and we were hoping to partner with the Euro label and, uh, and we were just kind of holding on to that so we could release it with a, you know, 12 inch vinyl, but yeah, that's just like less and less probable at this point. So we're, um, we're thinking next month or the month after just do a digital release of the full length album we've been sort of sitting on for a while. So yeah, cool deals, which isn't that much more, but you know, we're going to throw that out there and we've, we've discussed with, um, Tuck, our producer and our engineer about um, possibly, you know, working sort of considering it essential business <laughs> just <laughs> and isolating with just the band and uh, recording our next album in the summertime. And wow. I don't really want to encourage other people to, um, you know, break the distancing and all that stuff. But uh, eventually, you know, with the lack of performance, at this point, we're going to see if we can maybe make something work. But. Yeah, and, and, I, and I completely agree. And I feel that the, the thing we've kind of talked about on the show a few times is, you know, you're, you're in charge of your own personal destiny. You need to take into account who's around you and who you will be in contact, who would be around them. And basically, if everyone has come into a straight agreement of just keeping distance but still being in a room to get work done, it's like, that's fine. You stay safe and everything. But if you are worried, you stay home. And that's completely respectable. And I think that both sides just need to chill the hell out a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I get it. There's a definitely social responsibility to, um, to respect. And uh, we've, we, I feel like as a band, we really fully believe that. We've adhered to it. Um, yeah we've all kind of been through this thing and I found out um, that I was COVID positive and um, have since recovered from it. Um, so, I got so, tell, so if you don't mind, tell us a little bit about that. Like how did that, how did you wind up finding out and like, what was the process like? Um, 
Well, I uh, I had a friend who works for a, a medical office, and they um, they do the antibody tests. And right. so I went and got that. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you can't get it again. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that you can't spread it. Um, but it does mean I feel, you know, I've built up an immunity on some level to something. So, <laughs> uh, I feel a little bit more comfortable myself, but that doesn't mean I've been, you know, irresponsible socially. I'm a delivery driver too. So I've been, um, you know, every stop that I make, I, uh, I wear fresh gloves and I always wear a mask and all that. Right. Shit. Just, I feel like that's a social responsibility, but, um, and plus, I mean, you're kind of, if you're being a delivery driver during this time, you're, you're kind of putting yourself out there, you know, to be exposed to it a lot more because, you know, sure. You may be practicing distancing, picking up food and, you know, delivering it to your customers and stuff, but, you know, still being out there and visiting those different places still puts you at risk. So, I mean, that's uh, well, absolutely. Well, and that's, I mean, I, I, um, <clears throat> I'm a independent contractor, but I have a wine contract. So I deliver wine to, you know, probably like 30 different accounts a week. Yeah. And so liquor stores and, you know, who knows how many people are going in and out of those liquor stores every day. So, you know, you do the math, that's a lot of exposure, but, um, you know, I, it's amazing how, how many people were all of a sudden considered essential when we may have not really felt like it the month prior. (laughs) I, I know, man, like, uh, like, Grocery store clerks are like uh, on the front lines of war right now. <laughs> I know. No, and and it's like every time I wind up, it's like I wind up living on delivery, and it's like I've been making sure you know throwing an extra you know good tip on there than what I've been usually doing because it's like again these people are just going out there and you know exposing themselves to this shit. And I d- I definitely feel bad for. And those are the people you don't think about, people that run grocery stores, people that do deliveries. You know, it's like it's fantastic that, you know, so many nurses and hospital care, you know, have been getting so much, you know, support on that. But, you know, what about, you know, the person you see taking care of, you know, 50, 60 people an hour at the grocery store, you know? And oh, yeah. People that don't care that, you know, go to rallies and get exposed and then go to the grocery store and don't care and then touch the food. And it's like, Well, you some know? people I feel like almost just do it to be dicks. Yeah, <laughs> I've seen a lot of those actually yeah. coughing on shit just to do it. And it's, it's just, it's just like, what are you, dude? Like, how old are you? Like, I get it. Like, it, you know, maybe that shit was funny when you were in elementary school, but like, grow up, man. Just get over yourself. Don't be a dick. Other people don't feel like you do, so respect that. You know, exactly. Right. Don't be a dick. Be good. Don't be a dick. <laughs> don't be a selfish dick. <laughs> and and that's just a good way just you we've kind of discussed it you know as ourselves you know that's just a good way to run life you know just don't be a dick you know and that's and i think that's the one reason we've kind of really attracted and enjoyed you know the friends that we've made is because it feels like these people in rock and roll don't want to be dicks because we've been the outsiders we've been the people who know, been dicks dicks. <laughs> we choose to ignore <laughs> those people and not acknowledge them <laughs> they, i said friends they're not friends <laughs> well and yeah i think that uh that is something that's funny to me is like i live in a pretty gentrified neighborhood too and i was just talking to my girlfriend about this we were going on a walk and i feel like sometimes people are not social with people that are or you know you the like rock and roll people or alternative people get a weird rap or uh, or something because they seem different or threatening or something like that but the yeah, funny I, thing is they're some of the more respectful responsible people because they know what it's like to be ostracized and, yeah um, and, and and it's really weird you brought that up i had that exact same thought but i thought it was just me 
getting overthinking it and, you know, getting paranoid. Oh, people are just looking at me all that, you know, you justify it so many ways, but there have been so many times I do the exact same thing, walk around my neighborhood. And if there's a, a, a female walking her dog or something, I will notice her body language of don't get near me. And I'm just sitting here going, I'm like, that sucks. You know, it's like, I'm just in a hoodie and jeans. <laughs> oh, I just don't pay attention. I just kind of like acknowledge the dog as I'm walking by. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, um, I don't know. And it's funny. I mean, I, uh, I have a very like Texas roots family culture and it's just like, it's funny because I feel like that there's, there's these parts of Southern culture that are great because whether or not somebody likes you or not, they'll still tip their hat and be like, how's it going? Yeah. <laughs> hold, hold the door open and stuff like Howdy. that. Just kind of like the little uh, finger points, like truck, uh, truck drivers and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I'm, yeah. I'm from Tennessee and I know about all that. You said you're from Texas. Yeah. What part of Texas? Austin. I was born there, but I sort of, you know, jumped back and forth. So I, I'm just sort of a Western boy, really, all around. <laughs> I hear you. Was your first yeah. band, were your first bands in Austin, or has it all been in Denver? So No, far everything is- based out of Denver, but I mean, I still have, like, I don't know, the whole culture of my family for years and years, you know, generations has been Texas. So I, I, I still have a lot of, like, cowboy culture in my roots and, like, uh, nice. I, uh, my fr- my last band was called Six Shooter. And it was just sort of like a spaghetti western <laughs> themed rock and roll band, but playing with like tremolo pedals and things like that. We didn't do that, but you know, we did like I don't know shit that sounded like uh, Ennio Morricone soundtracks a little bit. Nice, oh nice, good to bad and the ugly and stuff like that. Yeah, that's awesome, dude. So, uh, how old were you when you uh, wound up moving to uh, Colorado? Oh man, I was I was very out here, um, which was cool. And then, um, just sort of went back and forth. My folks split up, and I would live with my dad in Texas for periods of time, and then uh, live with my folks in the mountains out here. Yeah, but that's cool though, man. Uh, so, talking early on, you you wound up getting that big stack of records that kind of had you know some of the '80s alternative, you know, post punk kind of stuff. What what was maybe the first band that you remember hearing that you kind of latched onto and went like, yes, this is my shit. This speaks to me on every level. Um, dude, probably like Susie and the Banshees. Really? Uh, yeah, it's funny. When I was like, uh, well, you know, and that was when I was super young. It was like actually, you know, the Dead Kennedys probably too. I got a Dead Kennedys record from that same bus driver, and um, that I sounds remember. like a really. Were you was your bus driver Otto from uh, The Simpsons? Yeah. <laughs> lady, it was this chick, um, and uh, it was funny. We had an interesting uh, connection. Like we'd get in fights. It was we get in fights, and I asked her for what. All that stuff, but, um, I don't know how to explain it, but I was a pretty hard headed little kid, and but she gave me those records, and, and it sort of changed my life. I remember I went. Uh, I would like ditch elementary school to like smoke cigarettes and listen to the Dead Kennedys and skateboard and shit. Oh, punk rock. <laughs> you little rebel. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Always been a little hellion, I guess. Well, it's weird. It's like, I don't hear, uh, and it's weird. I don't hear any of that in Fast Eddie, at least. That's just my interpretation. No, I wouldn't say that. Um, there's that element. No. Um, right. But I mean, we're all sort of punk rock kids on some level. Oh, yeah. Grew up. We just sort of graduated, I think. Right. <laughs> We've t- had talks with friends about how punk rock is a nice little gateway to just getting on stage to begin with. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Because 
write three chord, three bar chords and a melody over it. I mean, that's not the hardest thing in the world to do. And you, you like it enough, you'll uh, want to improve on it and improve on your skill set. Mm -hmm. And especially yeah. the people that wind up getting attracted to that sort of music, exactly like you said, we're the loners, we're the outcasts. And that's the perfect outlet for that. It's like, boom, sit in your room with a guitar, bang out a song, go play a show. It's like, then you're giving that sonic energy to people, and that's just so rewarding. Well, it's, it's sort of a... It's a safe haven for weirdos, you know? It's like, oh, okay. Like, this culture will accept me yeah. as, as I am. And that, um, is a, that is such a really nice thing. And, and that's what I love about, you know, communities that pop up. Like, even The Room, you know, a place that, you know, built out a venue in their basement, you know, just so they can have that rock and roll community, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, you know, DIY shows and all that stuff. And that stuff's something I, I just very adherently believe um, those people are really holding the weight of the culture because mm -hmm. those are the people that make it accessible to younger people and give them sort of a place to express themselves. And uh, they, those are the same kids that are going to grow up and start manning their own venues and keeping the, the world alive, which has sort of been hanging on by threads for the last 20 years. But and, and that is one of the unfortunate things about Charlotte is, you know, it, the good thing is, you know, a lot of places like um, our drummers, uh, other band, Home for the Day, they do um, like uh, big house shows and stuff like that. They raise money for like um, child uh, fundraisers. They do a lot of stuff for like Toys for Tots around Christmas and things like that. And but one of the things was uh, we, had a they, we had a venue in town called Tremont Music Hall. And it was perfectly set up. It had two separate rooms. You had the Casbah stage, which, you know, basically everyone could play. But then they had the big room stage that when Anthrax would tour, they would play that stage, you know? And it was an all-ages oh, venue. Cool. So anyone could play there. The 16-year-olds, you know, in their first little garage band, you know, had a decent place with a really good sound stage to play on. And the unfortunate yeah. thing is, you know, they didn't own the land. And Charlotte purchased the land, and now there's condos on. And that was one of the last all ages venues. It's like we have a lot of 18 plus ones that, you know, the venue owners are like literally checking with everyone going, when do you turn 18 so we can finally get you in here kind of thing. But well, I don't know if this affected y'all, but um, there was that big sort of DIY venue purge several years ago because of the, you know, fire regulations. Because in Denver, actually, a uh, one of like the most notable um, venues out here caught fire i believe um it wasn't even here there was another one like i think some kids died because they were living in there and then the fire department came and shut down a ton of venues and oh, a bunch wow. of them here um but there's still a couple diy spots that are just hanging in there that have been around forever so and i wonder what's going to happen when all this is lifted and uh, what diy venues are going to be able to hang around Oh, I know. I don't know how any of it's going to work. I don't think anybody does, but um, the, the one the, exactly the way it was, but no, it definitely won't be the same way it was. But the one comforting thing is that I know that it's not going to go down without a fight. No, and I don't think it'll go down. I mean, if anything, it'll give people more, uh, I don't know, like a little fire under their ass to keep rock and roll alive or kicking. Maybe it's a shot in the arm that we needed, you know? That's yeah, what I'm thinking. Yeah, early early on, early on, the one thing I kept saying to kind of help make myself feel a little better on the whole thing, and it's still extremely true, but it's in a world in which we have to move so fast, this forced us to have to stop a minute. Yeah. Oh, I know, and I think that that's great. I mean, I think 
um, the world's sort of in timeout. Which, yeah. <laughs> which is good, you know, like uh, we have to realize there's so much more to life than just hustle bustle, you know, commerce yeah. or some shit. So. I feel like, feel like it's all I was doing leading up to this too. So it's been a nice little reset button mm-hmm. for me yeah, too. Yeah, it's a reset and um, it's going to have to end at some point. Everything's, you know, life has to go on, but it's like, I think it's good. Some people, um, a buddy of mine was in rehab and he was saying that like, this was some, some of the emotions that a lot of people are experiencing now are similar to what he went through when he just had to sort of isolate from his old life and yeah. reevaluate to him, you know? So. Yeah, man. Well, we don't have to spend the entire episode talking about COVID-19 <laughs> bullshit. Well, no, it's, 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 but it's actually nice to have someone because here in the other conversation you did, you know, you're, you are, I wouldn't say an outlier, but you, you definitely have a lot more um, emotional, um, I, I would say you have a lot more emotional wisdom than maybe some other people that we've talked to before. And that's why it's kind of refreshing to maybe talk about these deeper subjects with you because you have a bit more of a wider scope on and you have a stronger opinion and that's really nice to talk to about, you know? Oh, well, thank you. Um, <laughs> because seriously, sometimes, you know, folks, you know, they just, they don't know how to really understand themselves, if that makes any sense. And you, you, def- you definitely strike me as someone that understands themselves to a point. And if even the moments in which you don't, you seek to learn more about yourself. Well, I think that's what it's all about is learning about yourself. You know, it's life learning who to be and what you are to the world. And, um, and that's something I've learned just through my own personal struggles in my life. And, uh, you know, if you, if you're not learning, then what are you doing? So exactly. And, and I think that's going to always just kind of even fuel the need to continue to create too, because the more you change the more you want to create, because it's like, okay, what can I accomplish with this new part of me? Almost. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. That, that's, that's really exciting, man. And I, and I'm definitely excited for the future of fast Eddie too, because I definitely like the trajectory. I'm really digging the new tunes and I'm super fucking excited for the new record for whenever that will be coming out. Hopefully, oh. Yeah. Um, it, it, it'll be soon. I think we're just kind of collaborating with a label about yeah. what to do and how to move forward with this. Um, but you know, I think actually it might be good because it forces us to write now mm-hmm. as opposed to just touring, 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 which was really where we were headed. Yeah. Um, which is also important, but um, yeah, I was gonna say you guys were we definitely road dogs here for a while. Content, so what are we gonna do if we don't? What are we gonna do if we don't write? You know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys were definitely road dogs here for a minute. One of the uh, the shows that popped on my radar that I saw, it's like, God damn, that's cool as hell. Is like, you guys did what, like three or four dates with the Super Suckers uh, this last year or two? Yeah, yeah, that was in January, um, and. Uh, that was a lot of fun. It was just in Colorado. It's like a little mini Colorado tour, but we yeah. got to um, play with those guys. And it's funny because I played with them with my old band, Six Shooter, in California in 2013. And uh, I told Eddie Spaghetti about it. And he was like, um, he was like, well, forgive me for not remembering. <laughs> <laughs> so, for some reason, I knew that was going to be the ending. <laughs> yeah. And and actually, being a Super Suckers fan, did you notice a change in Eddie's behavior between 2013 and when you guys played with him last? 
Absolutely, but I mean, I didn't really get a fair perspective of him then. I thought, yeah, he was an asshole. Because he was just really reserved and standing in the corner with his sunglasses on inside. And I was like, who the fuck is this jackass? <laughs> but, but, uh, well, the thing is, is I've kind just, of observed that stuff, and a lot of it came from because his family had a podcast for a minute. They did like maybe fifteen episodes, and he talked about it. And with his current lineup, he said he enjoys playing music again with uh, yeah. Metal Marty and uh, Chris on drums. That he those guys are awesome. Oh yeah, and they brought a new life into the band, and he enjoys playing music again. So I find well, it funny that musicians can almost kind of point out, going, "You don't enjoy doing this anymore, do you?" <laughs> and then flip it, it around and go, "Oh fuck, they're having fun again." I was pretty blown away, and I think it's more that you know he also has a lot more emotional wisdom now because he survived cancer. Um, yeah, and you know he's got a family and all this shit, and like I don't know, I can't speak for the guy, but he was. We had a you know a couple hour-long conversations or more where we just sat and talked for for a long time and he he honestly um those guys completely reworked my perspective on that band and they're all die-hard rock, rock and rollers and they're very genuine loving people and i was uh you know blown away and, th and they had a lot of wisdom to impart to us because they've never stopped rock and rolling you know yeah it looks so, like they're still having fun too yeah and, and I've had the pleasure of, you know, crossing, path, crossing paths with them a few times. And, and the last couple times uh, seeing Eddie, he was extremely nice. The first few times he was a little bit more reserved. But like on the third time around, I was like, hey, man, I, I'm like a legit fan. And I kind of told him a few things and he kind of smiled, kind of tilted his sunglasses down. I went, you're all right. And then we started talking for a bit. And then exactly what you said, completely different perspective after that, actually just being able to talk with him some. Well, and that's something that I worry that I give people the wrong impression to live. And I talked about that in the last interview did, um, about how I thought he was dick, but honestly, he was probably just tired and shy. Yeah. You know? right. People A forget. lot of performers are like, you know, it's like um, we feel disconnected from the world and uh, it's, it's difficult to communicate with people exactly who and what you are because they expect you to be something else. And I can completely relate with that because like for me personally, I don't drink. So the bar scene isn't really something that I can relate to. So when yeah. folks say you want to go hang out, what that really means is let's go to the bar and drink. Well, I'm going to feel awkward. It's like, not that I don't want to be around drinkers, but it's like the thing I would like to do. I can't do in public. Do you all have a song about Not drinking? Well, I used to be a heavy drinker, but then uh, I yeah. kind of turned into going, I, I don't like who I am when I drink. You know, it's yeah. like I didn't like who I became when I got to that point. So that's still our fun rally cry. Everyone else in the band drinks like fucking sailors. So, you know, we I kind of passed the song and kind of put the attitude on my guitarist, Mikey. He, he drinks like a buster in the song and all that stuff. So I throw the attitude this way. But yeah. no, so it's like when folks go, oh, let's go hang out. It just, I wind up kind of being, I feel like I go off to the side because I don't, I'm not relating. I'm not on their level anymore, if that makes any sense. Yeah. So it it kind of makes it hard for me to make a good, strong connection with folks. And then when I'm at shows, it feels like I need to be on, if that makes any sense. Because it's like, yeah, okay, yeah, well, no, they're, they're here and for that's, us. Um, that's something I struggle with um, because I don't, well, you know, when I'm at home, I'm, you know, I'm having a beer now, but I, I don't drink all that much when I'm at home. Uh, but I feel like I need to drink when I'm at a show to sort of calm my nerves. Yeah. So I'll get social uh, anxiety too about and just a little bit. There is an expectation that, if, you know, if you're a singer in a rock band that you need to be a fucking lush, 
<laughs> but you know who doesn't have a wall? Metal Marty. <laughs> doesn't have a what? He doesn't have a wall. Like anytime I see the super suckers, like Metal Marty will come and just give me a hug. I don't know the guy personally at all, but he just gives me a hug if I'm at the merch table. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, those guys are big softies. And, and I yeah. wish I could be like that, but it's like it's kind of hard for me to – relate with people on that much of a close level if i barely know them you know yeah and, and i'd like to get better at that and so i, I think that's maybe one of the things i'm going to try working a little bit harder when we're allowed to get back out there and interact more is trying to make better connections with the people that i meet yeah yeah that's, i definitely uh, don't because I, I, I definitely get perceived like that too and i'm definitely working behind the eight ball on a lot of things especially promotion wise because of that when in reality, it's like, it's not that I don't want to hang out. It's just, I would be completely happy chilling in my room, working on a video with some music on in the background by myself, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I can't. I totally agree. Um, and that's, um, that's hard too. But, you know, a lot of the, I, I um, am sort of a, I think, you know, I'm sort of a part-time extrovert. Yeah. I feel very that way. Extroverted. I enjoy a lot of downtime i enjoy a lot of alone time and uh and uh, that's different from other people in the band like leo is a complete socialite and he gets his energy from other people and he doesn't know uh, not that he doesn't know but he really doesn't like to be alone right uh, how's how's he holding up in all this he's good man uh i mean he, he he screen prints every day and um he uh i was worried about him for a little bit because he doesn't again he doesn't know how to not that he doesn't know but he doesn't like to be alone right but, and, and that's and that's honestly the kind of people i've been worried about the most is like for people like me i, I was a homebody anyway it other yeah. than my work schedule getting shifted up like a motherfucker working 12 hour shifts it feels like any other day to me you know this my daily life has not changed he's like a cat <laughs> i live with the guy and he just hangs out when he wants to <laughs> I yep. come crawling out yep. of my room. I grab a little food. I say hey to him. And I disappear again. <laughs> yeah, that was when I was in Dirty Few. That um, one of my best friends, Kim, um, she would always like have to like give me a nudge every once in a while because I'd disappear for weeks on end, and she'd be like, "Come out of your hole." <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, but I don't wanna. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, God damn it. I was busy being depressed by myself. <laughs> <laughs> now I have to put this off till later. Thanks. <laughs> Y'all recorded over at Tux, right? Yeah. Um, it's actually um, Dan Dixon is our engineer, and he's awesome. He did like a, a thing. He did a, an album with Nick Valencia, The Strokes. And, no shit. Uh, yeah, he's done some some awesome work. And uh, Gunpowder Gray, too. Mm -hmm. No, uh, I've been finding a lot more from Dan that I really like. Uh, there was this band, Rosser, I found recently out of Atlanta. And uh, I was really digging yeah. on their record. And Cap looked at the liner notes. He goes, oh, this is done by Dan. I was like, no shit. <laughs> it's like a lot yeah, of bands from this circuit go to record over at his place. Man, so uh, I keep when you pulling these ants off my table and they keep coming back. <laughs> so uh when you go to record uh, do you try doing a lot more of the uh live recording or do you like tracking individual things oh we do individual tracking um you know they're like tuck and dan are both um very anal retentive about that they're perfectionists which is good because yeah. before this we like i don't care we'll record live it's organic and all this rock shit. and roll rock and roll 
but you know when you dig into each individual part you really uh there's there's things about those parts that you don't really understand that you um uh, draw attention to when you do individual track recording right so. especially with like bass playing and like uh probably playing with uh different guitar tones and uh oh it's amazing things like that with, you know different tones and different amps and different guitars for different parts and uh you know some of that you can't really replicate live but um but you can get close yeah <laughs> Oh no, we, we run into that same issue and, and we, we kind of, we did the exact same thing early on. It was like live or die. You know, we only want to do this. Like we, we got to get it in a take and that better be the take. Whereas like now it's like, it's fun to track the drums exactly the way, you know, you want them tracked and then have fun playing with the guitars afterward and, you know, continuing to build it up and make it a better song afterward. Yeah. And you can isolate the tracks and, and sort of, mess with them and you can add new things that you wouldn't be able to before and when everything's on a grid um you really have a lot more freedom with the yeah on it. for sure no i definitely feel that and do you do you feel that um you enjoy that kind of process more because of course that process takes a lot more time well i do now um and i honestly lately in the last year i got into doing production work myself for my buddy's album and we have the studio that we work at that uh we get unlimited recording time oh wow and his project which is awesome because we just spent months on this on certain songs and uh it's so cool because you can just really get as creative as you want um, now is that something you see yourself possibly doing later on like kind of moving into trying to do music producing Oh, absolutely. That's something I want to do for the rest of my life. It's so fun. Same. And, uh, and, and you learn from it. You know, you're always learning. And so I can carry that into my future work. And Tuck sort of inspired me in that level because he, um, you know, he, he was just a performer for a long time and learned yeah. how to produce. He can apply his perspective to other people's music. And, and now I don't really want to work without a producer in the future with my own music. So now he puts out... Great work. Do you do like uh, most of the engineering and stuff like that too? What's that? Do you do most of the engineering too? No, I don't know anything about engineering, man. I'm a, I'm a fucking, uh, what's the word? A Luddite. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically how I am with like uh, country music and stuff. I try to put out every now and then where it's like I can play mo a few things here and there and I try to like put the session together, but you put me on a board. I have perspective on songwriting um, yeah. and different ideas with tone and, sound sound structure and soundscape and all that stuff i think that that's more of my my area but uh right. the, yeah the engineering i leave to the the people that have spent their whole lives learning how to do that shit that's not my area <laughs> <laughs> i hear you because i've worked with people that do that too where they're like uh, really good at putting the uh everything together but like it's a whole different skill set as an engineer than i know folks that are like the combination of the two and they're stronger at at one as opposed to the other and yeah. it's i just love i'm a big studio rat too and just seeing like different versions of it. it's always fun to be a part of man oh, i keep yeah. ants off the table and they keep coming back i wonder if it's the same <laughs> as long as they're not <laughs> hope, it ain't, hope it ain't fire ants <laughs> he's like no no matter how many times you get rid of me i, I will get on do. you that's good <laughs> <laughs> so i will get on you god damn it <laughs> yep. Well, no, I, I personally can't wait to get into the studio because I, 
I have a love hate with the studio. It's like, I, I love getting in there and starting the process, but about midway through, I'm about ready to snap next. But then at the very end, I feel accomplished. <laughs> yeah, man, man. Like, uh, I don't know. It, it, it's always a daunting task. I really enjoy it. The thing that sucks is you usually have to do it when it's like the prettiest time of the year and we're just stuck in a dark room for. <laughs> I know. I think we did ours in spring of last year and it was like just this tiny little shed. That's the studio. And it gets pretty crammed in there pretty easy with the amount of people we get. Yeah. That's what's kind of cool about Dan's studio, man. Um, it's really just a garage and it's tiny. Um, but the sound that comes out of there is just absolutely unbelievable. Don't you love that? Just unassuming spaces that surprise the hell out of you. Oh yeah. <laughs> that was actually, I watched that, uh, ZZ top documentary recently. And I was like, awesome. Yeah. When they first did like, what was it? Eliminator. And it was just in this tiny little studio and they got the biggest sound out of it. And like, yep, that's, it's fucking amazing. That's all you need. I love ZZ top too. I watched that. I watched that doc too, not too long ago. Oh, me too, man. Of course, I'm from Texas. That's I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably my favorite guitar player, too, is Billy Gibbons. What's I was going to say I was going to say my favorite guitar player is probably Billy Gibbons from ZZ Top. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I love Billy, too. I mean, I actually had the pleasure of meeting him one time. No shit. What yeah, this like? little bar here in Denver. And it's a funny story because I walked into the bar. There was nobody in there. It was a, me and a friend. And... I walked in, I sat right next to this dude who was wearing probably the coolest jacket. It was like, it was a jacket that had the Ford emblem on the back and it had this white, like Western piping going down the side. He had a big old beard. And I was like, who the fuck does this guy think he is? Billy Gibbons? <laughs> 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 oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I'll probably I probably wouldn't for a bit. Cause my family, my grandpa used to lease to them in oh, Texas. Okay. Yeah. And so like that we had some common connections and I was like, man, you, you remember these people at And he's like, Oh yeah, I remember <laughs> my friend, um, happened to be a female. He was way more interested. <laughs> that sounds about right. Well, at least got your yeah. foot in the door. <laughs> yeah. The experience wasn't right unless he's hitting on your girlfriend or your friend or whoever you're with. <laughs> yeah, He's a, he's a small little dude. He was like, he's probably like five, six or something. Maybe he's bigger than that, but he just struck me as a lot smaller than I thought. <laughs> he's a fragile old man at this point. He's got to be in his, what, late 60s? Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I mean, they started <laughs> in the 60s. Yeah, late yeah, really. 60s. One of the That's few. Wild. One of the Close few. The moving sidewalks. Yeah. Moving sidewalks is pretty cool too. One of the few bands, ZZ Top, one of the few bands like you probably count on one hand that has the original lineup that's still together today. Yeah, it's awesome. Mm -hmm. That was a rare thing. It doesn't seem like you guys hadn't really gone through too many member changes, have you? Fast said he never had a member change. That's um, what I thought. Because everybody's yeah. got a task. <laughs> Dude, like, it's hard because we're all in that case. Just so we, you know, sometimes we get on each other's nerves, but I don't know. Like we can get we can get pissed off sometimes, but I don't I don't see us changing members at all. If it's going to be this project, it has to be with these these four people because 
Well, you guys have a, uh, definitely had a great chemistry because I love just kind of, I like people watching and just seeing you guys all interacting like outside of the fire at the rim. It's like you, you guys are just a blast to fucking hang around. All right. And we keep hearing stories about like, you know, everybody like cutting up. Unfortunately, I passed out through a good uh, chunk of it. So I missed the free, so I missed the free bird. Uh, I missed the free, uh, free bird story. <laughs> that, that free yeah. bird story has now become legendary in oh, the no. fill-ins, the Smith house, everyone just free birds, real song, bitch. <laughs> everybody, makes, everybody makes fun of that dude. Now, every time he shows up, everybody's just Andy? like, yes. Yes. Andy, right? yes. Oh man. We like, uh, who is it? Devin is obsessed with that guy. He thinks he's the coolest guy. <laughs> He's in the fucking pocket, dude. <laughs> what was it? I was like, bitch. <laughs> was like, uh, Devin, Devin kept saying through that, like the whole rest of the tour is like, that dude fucks. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> He's the best. Oh, we need to have the bitch tour. <laughs> B-I-I-I-I-I-I-I-T-H. <laughs> Okay, I'm gonna take y'all inside because my phone's dying. Hold on one second. Well, no, I figured at this point now because we we actually been recording for about an hour. We don't have to fully hang up as soon as it's done. But I figured this would be a good time that we can go ahead and slip in. We can talk about a little music and then round it out. Cool. All right. In that case, I guess it's going to be time for us to dig on into our Spotify playlist and figure out what the hell we've been listening to. What you listening to, son? I don't think you like it. Well, why not? I like this new generation of music. Where did you record this? I bought it at the mall. What that person on your tape has is a medical disorder. All right, Captain, what the hell have you been listening to? For some reason, I'm on a cramps kick this week. All right, that works. What you been with that root record? Uh, just off the bone, it's more of a, I guess it's a compilation, as in it has like a, more, uh, more of the famous songs. Right. And... When I sit around in the house, I have a nice little uh, cheap Gretsch guitar that I keep playing around. There's like a little box amp on the other side of the room, and mm-hmm. I'm getting nice little cramp tones out of that. Crank up the cramp low and all that. Tones. Uh, <laughs> cramp tones. There you go. There's a punk band name. <laughs> <laughs> that's like the, that's like the, um, <laughs> what would that be? That'd be like the ska version. <laughs> Everybody wear the cramp tones. Damn it! Now you're gonna make me do like cramp songs with. <laughs> Lux is already doing that shit on record anyway. Let's just put horns on it and see what happens. <laughs> yeah, I'm a garbage man. <laughs> Pretty much. Oh man! All right, Michael. What the hell have you been listening to, sir? Wildlife, man. Oh, wildlife. Yes. That's been everyone's recommended this week in the past few weeks. Such a good record. Yeah. What's, what's been some of your favorites off it? My favorite songs off the record? Yeah. Yeah, dude. Oh, well, I got to love the Falcon because I have a car that I call the Maroonium Falcon. <laughs> oh, that's great. And uh, it says, take a ride in the Falcon. And I'd like to think that they wrote it about uh, my car. <laughs> <laughs> They wrote a song about CT. They got a song about you, right? <laughs> oh, uh, well, yeah. That, you know, it's probably not, but I'm, I'm going to say that it is. So There you go. I like, <laughs> yeah. I like the Falcon a lot, too. You, you know Dave will roll with it. He'll be like, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. You know, every good story deserves embellishment. 
Exactly. Don't let the truth get in the way of a good story. Uh-huh. Perception That's is reality. <laughs> <laughs> really? What? It wasn't Dusty Rhodes? <laughs> but uh, yeah, just a lot of cramps and a lot of uh, just a lot of weird, like you were saying, spaghetti western kind of guitar tones. I kinda, I'll put yeah. cramps under that umbrella. Yeah, and for me, uh, the damn things. Uh, that was an interesting little super group. They did a record in 2010. Uh, it had like Scotty. That's the only member I really know slash like a Scotty, and he plays a uh, guitar on the project. But uh, it's got like some really good, just kind of heavier, kind of hard rock tunes. It kind of strides that line between like new rock and a little bit of metal, but it's it still has that genuine feel to it. But no, there's there's some good stuff on there like. Um, we got a situation here that was like the main single, uh, but my favorite one on this, uh, a great reckoning. I don't know. It's, just, it's got almost kind of like a good blues vibe to it. If that makes any sense. That was a weird super. That was that weird time where like a lot of like quote unquote super groups were coming out too. Yeah. That, that was around Velvet Revolver too. Velvet Revolver and then Chicken Foot. I remember that was the thing with Sammy Hagar. <laughs> Weirdest fucking band name, Chicken Foot. <laughs> And they wound up getting success off of it too, even though like Sammy Hagar was just like, I'm just doing a band with my friends and they had a radio hit for a second. So I was like, Hey, this stupid band name is uh, <laughs> doing things. Well, man, Micah, seriously, thank you so much for having coming on here because again, we'd love to be able to do this sort of thing in person, but at least we've got the privilege to be able to call up uh, people we consider to be friends and kind of have a little chit chat and get a little exposure to them and, you know, just still be able to create and do something during this quarantine time. Yeah, man, it's, it's an honor and a pleasure. I had a, a good talk and it's nice to just uh, feel like there's still some momentum uh, in, in the music and shit to talk about and oh, yeah, connect man. people around the country. So that's awesome. Definitely, ma'am. Well, no, seriously, guys, check out Fast Eddie. We'll have a track of theirs at the end of the episode, as always, with all these little special guests. And Cap, goddammit, do you have an outro for us? Goddammit, go listen to Fast Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> Is right.
Thank you for listening. Please insert another coin by supporting the show for as little as a dollar a month. At patreon.com slash somethinggoodnetwork.